Life is one long journey made up of many detours. Some are chosen and some are not, but they all teach us something along the way. Welcome to the Detour Podcast, where conversations about life detours and travel detours converge. It's one part human experience and one part travel experience put together to teach and inspire us to take the detour and enjoy the wander. Hello there, old friends and new friends. Welcome back. I'm your host, Sheila Shinsky. Has anyone ever said to you, you should write a book? Or do you just have the framework for the next literary masterpiece or great work of fiction swirling in your brain and you just can't get started on it? Maybe you have a divine longing to share your story with the world, but you're just not sure what to do first. Well, today's episode is for you. In fact, it's for everybody. Our guest today would say it's a podcast that everybody could relate to because everybody has a story. So welcome back to the Detour Podcast, and let me welcome Helena Helena, and Joe Trangata. Helena has been my friend for a while, and I'm every time I say her name, <laughs> you guys have a friend like that. You're just like, you know who you are. <laughs> um, Helena and Joe Trangata. Helena is a.k.a. Tinkerbella of Bellissimo Publishing, and she is all about your story, promoting your magic, your story. She will help coach your writing, collaborate your publishing process, actual publication, and then promoting the finished product. And Joe is her first client, but he's also her hubby. So he has published now uh, four fiction books, and Helena has helped with three of those? Yes. Yes. So welcome to the Detour (laughs) Podcast. I am so excited to have you guys here. Joe, you're the first boy on my um, (laughs) podcast. Well, except for my husband. Oh, here comes the thunder. Okay. okay. We're going to get a rainstorm. You know what? It's good energy. Yeah. (laughs) Bring it on. The first boy. I like the boy. The first boy. (laughs) Yeah. So welcome to both of you, and thanks so much for taking the time today to record with uh, with me and to share some information with our listeners. So Helena, um, what we want to start with, and I guess what everybody probably starts with, is I have this idea for a book. But that's not actually where we're going to start, because your story starts with a detour first. Big detour. All right, tell us Big about detour. that. So I had quote unquote retire from corporate life and I had become life coach certified and um, because of that I was going to really make the big punch of going into social media full time uh, you know big time to grow my coaching business and of course like most specialty most businesses you usually find your niche I hadn't found mine yet I thought it was women and uh, motivating women However, <laughs> a little detour here. Uh, another detour. <laughs> a little detour here was that um, I, as I was doing that and I was growing my social media, um, my husband was going to, he was writing his second book. He had published his first book um, traditionally in Philadelphia where we lived at the time. And he was writing his second book and was going to publish it. So I kept sending him all these articles on how to e-publish. I was like, let's be really avant-garde and go into the e-publishing world and like most writers that I found he didn't want any part of knowing how to publish it or e-publish it or traditionally publish it. He how about, just, when was this? Just to not interrupt. This but was about back how, in 90s, 98. 98 I think. Okay so around 90. So you know uh, technology is starting to be the way that people are starting to read books yeah, online. People were really just starting, so, to, starting read books to get that way. Books. Um, I had not really you know jumped on the ebook bandwagon per se is reading that although i had in my traditional job i had traveled and i used to take a stack of books with me every time i would travel so i'd be gone about four days oh that gets tedious four books there you gotta get four more books bring it back and so when i found ebooks i was pretty quick to jump on that wagon because i like the idea of having them all on my ipad yeah, I could just take any number of books if I didn't want book one through four, then I could pick five through six or whatever I had on my iPad, which is to the tune of probably 200 books at any time. Yeah. So I had had found that that was really a plus for me. So I was I jumped onto the ebooks quickly and I wanted him to allow his readers to have that 
um, luxury of reading it as an ebook. So to do that, since I found he wasn't the least bit interested in publishing it himself as an ebook, I decided I was going to publish his second book as an ebook first, but I wanted to try it out with book number one, which was never published as an ebook. So the traditional book, which was Every Day Above Ground, had never been published as an ebook, so I published it. And as I'm doing all this, I'm writing about it on Facebook. And at that time, Facebook was the only real place I was, you know, working on a digital level as far as social media goes. And as I'm writing about it, and I'm kind of soft selling his book because it's not even out as an ebook yet, um, I found two things. I found that I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I found that um, people were following me because they were interested in how that was happening. And by the time I published his book as an ebook, people were saying to me, can you help me do mine? So it, wow. was, the, it was that quick. And so we published his first book as an ebook, and since then we published, I've published every one of his books as an ebook and as a traditional book. So we've we've been doing this a few years now, haven't yeah. we? So that's about eleven years. So I think I've published about sixty-five books for different authors. They're almost always first-time authors. Um, I've met wonderful people with wonderful stories who most of them are experiencing a detour as well yeah. because most of them have had a traditional job traditional job, and this is something that's on their heart to share mm. with the books. Now, Joe is fiction. He writes fiction. Most of my authors do not. Most of my authors have been nonfiction. Are, do you find that they're mostly uh, like life stories or um, some trial or tribulation that they've gone through or... Right. Yeah, as Every, far as being kind of a little bit of everything. Yeah. I had a woman who I met on on social media who lived in a small town in the south. Um, she had quite a story to tell, but she was publishing under a pseudonym because she didn't want anyone there to know that she was telling the story because they would judge her. Oh, and it was Ooh, a, scandalous! I like it already. It was very. <laughs> it was a little scandalous, and she was afraid that they would judge her, and she would basically be, you know, yeah. Um, Exercised, but yeah. ostracized, mm -hmm. that's the correct word, uh, by the town. Mm -hmm. So she went through this. It was all personal to her. We went through the whole process. Um, and when it was, she had a huge Facebook following, and they all were excited about her book coming out. At least they said they were. And when her book came out, almost no one bought it. She was heartbroken. Oh. Just heartbroken that no one bought her book. And it was so painful for her because she was telling the story that had had actually occurred in her real life, uh, a lot of pain and abuse mm -hmm. uh, by a man that the, um, that the town thought walked on water. Oh. And so she's experienced this black negativity at home. Wow. And um, so in writing the book, she, she re-experienced it and it made her ill. Oh, no. And what she ended up doing was, I mean, I'm kind of fast forwarding, yeah. she took the book off the market. Mm. And she's, and I, I was like, well, why? And she said that um, she felt like she had to be able to publish it in her own name. Um, and she wasn't ready for that because there were people living that... Still during that time that would there were still recognize people living that she had written the story. Things, right. Yeah. And um, that she would publish it under her real name at some point and that she would not be able to do it until that time. We've kind of, kind of lost track of her oh. um, through this. She hasn't come back to me, so I don't know if she ever published. But I thought that, that was very interesting Ooh, yeah. um, that she was physically ill from this mm -hmm. um, because she was reliving the pain by, t by writing the story. Mm-hmm. And there was a child involved. She had a child at home. She had the wicked mother-in-law. <laughs> I mean, wow. there was a lot of, there's a, it was probably a, a TV movie there. Wow, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. However. Like, I want to read the book. It was, it was her I'm very sorry that, for her. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, can, I can imagine that. And then just also maybe, you know, the idea of like, in some way, finally getting the courage to tell her story, but she couldn't tell it as herself. So then, then it was sort like of was, just yeah, it did not the full telling, and her body was like, nah, -uh, you gotta no. like tell it, tell Isn't it. Is that something? Yeah, I, mean, it's very, very I totally believe words are in very that, powerful for sure. Words yes. are very powerful, and she lived through this with a. She actually lived through it, then she lived through it again when she wrote it, and she felt the pain all over again. Mm -hmm. um, she was beaten. She mm -hmm. had been beaten, and so she's feeling the pain again. She had a lot of 
toxins coming through her body yeah. that were hurting her. So yeah. it's wow. um, very interesting. This whole, the stories that I've been told, mm-hmm. of course, I, you know, other than what I've been permitted to share, the stories that I've been told are, um, I could write a book about the authors that I read. Yeah, <laughs> I, I bet. Right. <laughs> I bet you could. Oh, I, this is why I do the deeper podcast because I love people's stories. Mm-hmm. I am fascinated when you know you just have a simple conversation of something like oh well how long have you lived in florida oh well, i've lived here for x number of years and well how'd you end up here oh well xyz and you're like what? <laughs> you know yeah. or well i used to be a coal miner and you're like and now you teach aerobics <laughs> how does that happen you right. know? yeah i have to know you have to tell me <laughs> we're not leaving until i hear it you know and so that's just um that's just what sparks my interest and in, in why i want to do this but i just also really think that whether I mean because there's always even some truth in fiction I think oh, uh, for sure yeah. yeah and so you know you um you learn you learn things about life you learn things about humans and and travel you know travels and trials and tribulations and all those kind of things and cultures and things that you maybe have never been a part of but you can now understand more and I, that's I just love reading, anyways, and books, audio books, and well, I think reading is the next best thing to actually traveling yeah. to those those areas or to that different lifestyle. Right. Um, before we went to Italy, I read. Um, of course, I can't think. Uh, Francis Mays wrote a book. It was a movie made um, under the Tuscan sun. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I read that before I went to Italy, and was like, that was so helpful in my trip. Yeah. Because I had some idea of how other people had experienced it, and I was like, oh, I want to do this, or I want to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's and awesome. And this, I read it long before the movie was even made. Mm-hmm. And if you have, by the way, if you haven't read the book under the Tuscan sun read the book the movie's great but the book tells you all those details all those so, little goodies yeah all goodies mm-hmm. I, I just love the details that Francis Mays works with yeah. writes with okay so back to the books that you publish <laughs> and the authors that that you're um, helping out so okay so somebody comes to you and they say I have this idea for a book um, well first of all does everybody really have a story to write and should everybody write one what if you're not a good writer well I think I think ever yes I think everyone has a story because I just haven't ever found anyone who didn't have a story um, you know since I've been doing this in my lifetime which has been many years now <laughs> more years than I want to share yeah. um, and I think that the um, I think everyone does have a story how they write it or how they tell it is as individualized as this conversation that we're having today so some people want to write their story in a very conversational way some people want to write it very um, differently, very black and white, uh, factual way. Uh, obviously, fiction is a whole, um, a whole different genre mm-hmm. as far as nonfiction. With some drama and... and right. Yeah. And a lot of conversation, mm-hmm. a lot more conversation normally in fiction than nonfiction, although you can have fiction and nonfiction as well. I mean, fiction, you can have conversations in fiction. But I do believe everyone has a story. Whether or not you want to tell it is something that we can discuss. That's I work with a lot of people and I customize my work to exactly what they need. So you come to me, you tell me what your ideas are. I'll share with you whatever I, I I'm really honest with the people that I speak to. The first thing I ask them is, why do you want to write this book? Why do you want to tell the story? Because if they, and if, if they say to me, um, well, I want to make a lot of money, then I have to correct them right then and there and say, this is not the reason to write a book. <laughs> yeah. Because there are literally hundreds of thousands of books being published per day, especially as ebooks, and therefore secondary or possibly first um, as an as a actual um, paperback book. Um, there are probably fewer readers I think now than ever and that has something to do a little bit with I think the fact that this is there are a political a political statement is that uh, we've been dumbed down by things like Twitter mm-hmm. um, and um, fast. TV takes, and everything yeah. is fast so mm-hmm. 140 characters compare 140 characters which now they've doubled but nevertheless 140 characters to a book so a lot of the young people, I believe, are not reading as much because the fact that it's just not quick enough for them. They yeah. can't get their take on it soon enough. They, it's, um, 
You know, I really believe that we've allowed ourselves to become dumbed down. Yeah, well, there's so many different ways to receive that are competing, you know, for us to receive information or to receive a story or, you know, and again, like we, again, it's like you want the fact, you want to know what it is, just the facts and then move on, you know, move on. I got things to do. If it doesn't scroll (laughs) Mm -hmm. and books do scroll, I mean, you can work them on your, your Kindle or your iPad to scroll. However, they're, they're much longer and you, you have to kind of dig down a little bit deeper and find the one to know the details that make that story Mm -hmm. because the facts, ma'am, so to speak, do not make a story. They make a headline Mm -hmm. and do you want to read the entire story? So I think in some ways that's decreased the amount of readers for books. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just my take. I don't have any statistics to prove that, but as we know, a lot of the bookstores are closing. Mm -hmm. Um, However, um, Many of my people have a story that they need to, they feel like they need to tell it because they want to share that with someone else to share their wisdom. Mm-hmm. So if they have had an addiction or abuse or some other some other story, trauma yeah. in their life, then to share how they've gone through that. Mm-hmm. And that to me is powerful. Yeah, can provide um, just that relatability so someone doesn't feel alone. Um, and then also just maybe that little bit of inspiration that there can be hope to get through the situation. And maybe that's, I was divorced um, and a single mom, and I used to go to the bookstore and just hope that a book would fall into my cart, so to speak. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's like I wanted wanted help, and I didn't know where to get the help. Mm -hmm. So I was a reader, so I went to the bookstore, of course, Mm -hmm. and that's where I would like, look at the self-help section and like which one of these is going to help me What's today yeah. i would pray about it like mm-hmm. please give me the right book lord and so i feel like there's still people who want that help so we want those books to be out there yeah for sure so yeah that's I, so if someone's not a good writer i think that was the second thing mm-hmm. you asked um if they're not a good writer we can always fix that however we can get a ghost writer we can um, write the facts and then have someone tell the story. So gotcha. the facts okay. can be turned into the story. Uh, what I encourage my authors to do, though, is to never let anyone change their story so it's not theirs anymore. Mm-hmm. Because there are editors, and we've found them for sure, uh, that want to change the story so much when you get it back, you don't even know that You're you like, wrote it. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, Whose book is this? This is my book. <laughs> and so I always right. encourage them to, you know, be strong that their story um, is still theirs. So if you just have some thoughts swirling around inside your head and maybe you're making some notes or maybe you're a blogger, you've been blogging for a while or something like that. And maybe you've got like a little, you know, knack for writing or something, but you're like, I think this should maybe be a book. Like, I feel like this should be a publication. How so do you we work about people? format? So, and I've had everyone who's, um, you know, they want to start, in the beginning and go forward. Sometimes I encourage them that they need to start now and then go backwards because most of us don't want to read about the trauma as as like the the main thing. You know, you've you've got to encourage the reader that they want to read the story. So it needs to be motivational, but they need sometimes to know that everything's going to be a happy ending in the beginning. Now I'm talking more about the nonfiction, those people who have been through the trauma. So write about the fact that, yes, I'm full and whole and healthy today, but this was my story. I had to come through, you know, some of the people I know who have Mm -hmm. come through the trauma of addiction, come Mm -hmm. through the trauma of living on the street, come through the trauma of being kicked down and out and they survived. Right. So I might encourage them to kind of flip it around so mm-hmm. that because when you're buying a book on Amazon, if you haven't already bought an ebook on Amazon or a, a book on Amazon, you know, there's like a few seconds that someone's going to look at that. So yeah. you want that first paragraph that they're going to read to be powerful and catch it. Yeah. And um, would you say that, okay, this is just like a little side thing. Um, I tend to, they, they say, like, don't judge a book by its cover. Oh. But I tend to. I do. <laughs> don't we all? I do. Don't we tend all? Tend to. So, so there's, like, that. But maybe I'm just, like, a visual person, and so you've got to, like, catch, and then I'll be like, oh, but now I'll read it. Okay, now. An, but when you're an author, you're yep. selling to people who also are visual people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so that 
if they're not even going to get to that first paragraph, if, no matter how motivational and strong it is, if mm-hmm. the cover doesn't grab them. Mm-hmm. So covers are very important. Um, it doesn't have to be expensive, and that's mm-hmm. what I work with my authors to work within their budget. I've done authors' um, books, covers for them. I don't do the cover. Let me, I'll go back and say that. I encourage them to find a graphic artist that will do it. I have graphic artists in my back pocket, so to speak, that I re- have referred to in the past. Um, there are different ways to do it. Some can be as simple as designing something in Canva. Mm-hmm. However, I, um, there's a um, packet, uh, there's a service called Fiverr. And so Fiverr, I, I got a cover done for one of my uh, clients for $25. Wow. I've and had, Fiverr is, uh, is that the one where you can bid out to people yes. that do this kind of like on the side and then they can, you can say, this is what I want. And then they, they um, can accept it's, the the job that's so right to speak right. okay yeah so, i mean you can get in you can get editing done on yeah fiber. you can get uh you could get a ghostwriter i haven't uh-huh. but i mean that's one of the things i have used fiber for is to get graphics created huh. because i am not a graphic artist mm-hmm. however i do find that i know what's appealing to me and so i can at least share that with my authors mm-hmm. um sometimes they want something uh, powerful. I mean, we're we're looking at Joe's books here because Joe's going to be talking in a few minutes. Yeah. And so his first cover was a copy of the Constitution. Isn't that the Constitution? Mm-hmm. Where it says, we are the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are the people. And it has a revolver on it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's powerful. That is yeah. something that if you were looking at that in a bookstore, you'd at least want to pick it up, I think, if mm-hmm. you were looking for fiction. Mm-hmm. You'd want to pick it up and then thumb through it and see what that's about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say it's about growing up in Philadelphia, which mm-hmm. it, it does say that on the back, but not on the front. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his other books, which I real, we had this cover designed, and this cover is, the title of the book is Just Like a Philly Girl. And so on the title of the book is the, um, what is this? She's a reporter. I know, honey, but what is this building? City Hall. City Hall, which has Benjamin Franklin on the top of it. Mm-hmm. So we got a picture of that. We gave it to a graphic designer, and she put the title on it and, the, and did the, the entire cover for us. But we actually bought the picture of City Hall to use. And I'm... Can't remember exactly how much she charged, but I want to say about 185. Is that somewhere in that area? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I so got you've people... got connections mm-hmm. with people and and ways of of getting this done with whatever budget, in a sense that you have to. I mean, yeah. I feel like you have to because yeah. they are on almost. I guess 99% of my authors are first-time authors. Mm -hmm. And so some of them come to me, they already have their covers designed. I have one lady who came to me, um, she's in Tampa, she was uh, considered up for Women of the Year a few years ago, great woman, and she had, she paid about $350 for her cover. But, you know, she had a, a, um, a photo session done and... um, She was on, her her picture was on the book. And her picture was on the Mm -hmm. book. And... Um, she also, she is the only person I've had who's actually published their hardcover back or their paperback book in color. Mm-hmm. The entire book is in color, which costs more money. Yeah. But that was her choice. She did that. We worked at doing it as, we did it as an ebook first. Nice. So, okay. So, um, is it... Is it, do people just come with like, okay, I've got some ideas or did somebody come with, um, all right, well, I started writing this and I can't get past this part or kind of everywhere in between? It's kind of everywhere in between. That same person who has that color book, um, she she came to me looking for a ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. So I found a ghostwriter for her. Finding a ghostwriter um, needs to be seriously considered by the author and or their person who's working with them like I was because the fact that she was a 35-year-old woman and at the time the only ghostwriter I knew that I had used was about a 70-year-old retired attorney male. I did not feel like he could do a justified job of telling a story for a 35-year-old. The book is about weight loss so a 35-year-old overweight woman who had been overweight since a teen. I, so I never even offered it to him, but I did find someone that she could talk to. I got a price for her when she heard the price after I resuscitated her. <laughs> <laughs> she decided to um, speak it into her phone. She drove about 45 minutes each way to work. Um, and so she spoke it into her phone 
and used Ooh. Dragon. She actually used a she used a, a translating translating. Yeah. She did, she did it more like a diary program, uh -huh. and then translated it into text. And, ah. to, and that's how she made her book, you know, because she didn't feel like that she was able to. And so it was all, she never did. Sit down and type it all out, really, you know, yeah. Until, oh, okay. But and she didn't use, she'd never used the ghostwriter. Wow. So it's, and I encourage people to try that first because the cost for ghostwriting is, is quite expensive. And the few experiences I've had with that is that the author then doesn't know it's their story. <laughs> yeah, because again, somebody is filling in the gaps with their personal. It's really hard to act as someone else or say things the way someone else would say them. And the you know? same Especially thing if you don't know them. You know, that, I think that would be extremely difficult. The same thing's true for editing. We've gone mm -hmm. through a number of editors um, in the course of this with my other authors as well as with Joe and we had a we particularly got a, a Philadelphia well she lived in New Jersey but across the mm -hmm. river from New Jersey from Philadelphia um, we got this woman to um, edit his book and um, before she could finish it she got very ill so you have to start over you can't just start at the middle and have a different editor it would show up and so we huh. ended up getting a an editor a different editor the first one was doing very well but the second editor took out of all the street slang and in this book has some mafia overtones to it mm -hmm. and there was a lot of street slang in it and she corrected them grammatically no uh, that's <laughs> how they talk right what are you talking about so, <laughs> It's like, what you doing, guys? Yeah, <laughs> yeah what you doing, guys? Yeah, it's not going to be, uh, hey, I'm from Pittsburgh. We have our own language. Uh, there yeah. you go. And so it's like, yo, it's not, hey, We don't you. call them over easy eggs. They're dippy eggs. So. Dippy eggs. There dippy eggs. Go. Exactly. So we, that we, you know, and we didn't know, I mean, we still had to pay her even though we didn't like what she had done to it. We had one author who um, changed the characters' names in the book. What? She changed the names from Tony Ed to editor, what? Editor, yeah. She changed the names, the characters' names. We had one editor who had the right name all the way through the book, and in the very last paragraph, she changed the, the character's name. And luckily, I caught it. I don't want to be anyone's editor because what I found is I don't like my editors. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so I don't want, you anybody, don't want people to like I, you. I want people to like me. I want them. And so I can, there again, I have editors that I can refer to. But I encourage them to, you know, number one, it's their first book. They don't want to lay out a lot of money. Yeah. And so have your, you know, have your best friend who teaches English read it. Have mm -hmm. your husband, you know, have everybody read it before we publish yeah. it. And, you know, but in most cases, the author is editing, 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 and you cannot edit a book too much. That's the bottom line. Until I'm publishing it, and I've had to tell people, stop editing. Yeah. I'm publishing We're it done. <laughs> We're so done. I had a Put doctor. the red pen down. I had a doctor who was literally changing it as I'm publishing it. It's like, no. <laughs> That's great. Okay, we got to get you in here, Joe. Joe, you have four books now. So yeah. what, what are the titles? Okay, uh, just like a filial, mm -hmm. every day above ground. I explained that title. Excuse me, title to you. And uh, the old man. And what are the odds? Odds. The, okay, so just like a Philly girl is one every day, above, day ground. above ground. The old man. The old man. And what are the odds? And what are the odds? Okay, and those are on Amazon. Yes. All of them still on oh, Amazon that people can look for. Okay. Yes. So tell us a little bit about, um, well, first of all, how is it like working with your wife to, to do your... Um... That's good. It's, it's not an issue at all. It's not like as if they were building a business, which, uh -huh. I, which I was in at one time. Um, my inspiration, though, to write came when I was about 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And how that came about was I was a single parent family being raised by my mother. And I had two grandparents, okay? Uh, we grew up in the what New York is called the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. I grew up, for those who have seen the picture Rocky, mm -hmm. in a house like that, four foot wide, six foot long. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't breathe in there. You just, if everybody sneezes the same time, you'll break a window. Okay. <laughs> and there's uh, no standing side by side for no, a picture. No. <laughs> so, so, in a row. <laughs> and everyone stick your head out. Yeah. So that's where my inspiration came. In the back of my mind, I knew then that... I didn't want to live like that as I grew older because I was poor. 
probably the toughest neighborhood in the city at that time, which it was. And the worst part is when these two grandparents who were like my parents died on me mm -hmm. when I was 10, three uh, months apart. Uh. And this book title came, which was in my mind for many, many years, every day above ground. Okay. Because my grandfather used to say to him, as people used to meet him on the street and talk to him, they were from Europe, from Italy, and when people say to him, Frank, how are you this morning? He would say, every day above ground is good. Yeah, good. you said that to me when, we, when I <laughs> greeted you today. And you I've said saying, that to I've me. I've been saying that for 50 years. <laughs> it's the truth. Hey, we're on this side of the dirt, right? And, that, and that's how that title came about. I also, at the same time, being inspired in my mind, and I wanted to do something better than my life was at that time, because I didn't like my life. My mother had to work hard, we were poor, and I wanted something better. But music was always in the back of my mind, too. Mm -hmm. And everybody in my world, in being Italian in the neighborhood of South Philadelphia, if anybody's familiar with it, there were more singers coming out of South Philadelphia than one could imagine, uh -huh. including all the Mario Alonzas and everybody else. Uh -huh. So I, another thought was that I could sing somewhere along the line. Long story short, I did. By the time I got to high school, we had a singing group and wound up meeting Dick Clark. We went down to bandstand and we recorded two songs. Nice. We never became infamous, but we were good in a local neighborhood. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we didn't become, uh, if you will, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Okay? Right. So there was a lot of guys like that. So in doing that scene, what had happened in the course of that is we were trying to grow that group. I met some people who want to be our managers. And little did I know, as a young man, that manager was the godfather of Philadelphia. They ran recording studios, and what had happened is they bought us. And in buying us, they controlled us. And the next thing before you know it, we wanted to get out of it. The four of us wanted to get out of that mess. You were like, ah, uh, this is not what we were trying to do. <laughs> Even though these guys knew everybody and their brother. Yeah. could make you famous, no matter where. But we were afraid of what they did and how they lived. Yeah. So oh, the, the end result was that we happened to have seen something one time that we found out that they were skimming money from Atlantic City and they killed the guy right by us who was doing that because Atlantic City opened up and this one of these guys was taking money. So the mob found out about that. We saw this, heard this, made us very nervous. Yeah, very scared. you're like, didn't see nothing, don't know anything. <laughs> the end result wow. is we found out where that money was being buried. We seen the guy bury the money one night. Oh my gosh! This I'm, I'm going to my grandfather's grave. Is this in this book? Oh yeah. I'm taking it home. <laughs> I gotta know. That's why people buy this book. Yeah. yeah. Don't tell her the internet. I was gonna say you better leave that cliffhanger. Amazon. It's called Every Day Above Ground. Right. Joseph Trangata. Okay. Go ahead. Continue. So we saw where the money was being buried, and we knew about that, and they found out that we knew about it, and before you know it, we were in trouble. Wow. Because they want us to not tell anybody about the money being buried. So there's $2 million that were buried. We decided one night in our own stupid brain that we would take the $2 million out of that grave that we found it in and take it and bury it. Well, when the Maya How broke, old are you right now? Uh, like at the 17. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a 17 year old brain. Yeah. Yeah. No brains at all. No that brains sounds at all. about right. And that's how that story goes along. Holy moly. And it goes moly. along right through it where we had incidents with them. Okay, uh, well, you're still alive and sitting here, so that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. There was an incident where I did have a problem when I married Helena that some of these guys did come after me. Oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah. And that was another story in itself. Jeez Louise. Yeah. So that's how my first book went, which was very successful, still sells. I can and see why you wanted to write that. I mean, you're like, this is... There was is, a whole lot of story coming No out. one would believe this, right? <laughs> well, the inspiration was for writing as well as my grandparents dying and mm -hmm. the music and to make my mother happy and be at peace where she wouldn't have to work as hard as she did as a sew maker that she was mm -hmm. and so forth. From that, it led to the second book and it started to be with the Tranio family who was Joey Tranio, who was the guy who was the leader of this group, mm -hmm. all right? His family, and he married, he had family, they came into the second book. Okay, so your book is a, is a series. All, it's, it's, it does it's a, come into, yes. Yeah, it's a continuing, uh, the, continuing characters. Yes. Okay, yes. very cool. So how about the, um, 
the the other this book here this which a lot of people love this was Brooke she was the uh, daughter of Joey had a son mm-hmm Joey goes away. I don't want to tell you how he goes away. Okay. But Joey goes away. His son now grows up and has a daughter, mm-hmm. which would be his niece. Okay. She becomes a writer with the FBI and the Philadelphia newspapers and goes after the mom. Oh, geez, Louise. That's her story. Oh, my goodness. Goes, I love it. And she eventually goes in to the point where she gets terrorists who are ready to blow up City Hall which is the biggest city hall in the United States, by the way, mm-hmm. which housed over 45,000 people of employees. She was there the day that they were going to blow up City Hall, and she got the employees with the FBI. So anyway, it goes on to that. On to that, okay. The other book was about what are the odds where Joey's son escapes situations of her uh, and a plane crash, a, a train crash, a car crash, and what are the odds you're going to survive this and still walk away? And wow. he did. Oh my goodness! And, and you just uh, have you always just oh, had stuff. this writer mind? It just comes to you, right? <laughs> Bubbling in my head. And you just gotta write it out. Yes, and that's what's happening to me now. Do you Does write it out paper? Do you type it out? What do you do? Oh, I write it in my head. You write it. Then I get up two o'clock in the morning, bother her, and I go write it on a computer. <laughs> elbow, elbow, honey, honey. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. That's so cool. I have a lot of stuff around in my head too, but I don't know that it. I don't know that it collects into a story. <laughs> Putting in the story is the hardest part. Keeping yeah. the characters together. Uh, I think for those who do want to try to write a book, it's the hardest thing is how to develop your characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How your characters get to the point where you actually are talking to the characters. Uh-huh. I am talking to them. Yeah. And they're talking back to me. It's scary stuff. But they're talking back to me. Yeah. And when I talk to them, I say, Johnny, you shouldn't do that. Why shouldn't I, Joe? Because you just shouldn't do that. You're going to get hurt doing that. Okay. So they kind of take on a life of their own, and, and you've just got to like tell tell what's going on. Are we sure that's not a mental condition? <laughs> <laughs> we're not sure, but we're, listen, all great artists, right? It comes from somewhere. You know, and, you, in the interim of all this, these books, there is always this old man who shows up. Uh huh. And every time Joey, if you get the first book, right down to the other books, got into trouble, possibly was going to get killed. The old man came along and started talking to him. And he would talk philosophical stuff. Mm-hmm. And he would appear out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. they'd sit and talk. And Joey would say to him, who are you? Are mm-hmm. you Jesus Christ? What mm-hmm. are you? Are mm-hmm. you an angel? Are you that guy in Jimmy Stewart's wonderful life that came an angel? Mm-hmm. And he would never tell him. He uh-huh. would just tell him and talk to him. Ease him through his pain. Ease him through the fear. And that guy comes all the way along with that old man. I've had more people tell me, who is this old man? Oh, man. Who is that old man? Ooh. A lot of people say it was your grandfather, wasn't it? And you're not telling, are you? Nope. Did you, did you ever have, okay, so when you're writing this book, obviously you want people to read it, I'm guessing. Did you ever have any d- doubts, like, you know, or an experience, like um, Helena first said, where the lady put all this blood, sweat, and tears, and then didn't get the... The, no, because what know. she said is true. I never wrote the books because I happened to be in business most of my adult life that I was looking for money from the books. Okay. It was something I had to do, something I had to get out. Gotcha. So it wasn't to the point that I wrote them to try to make money. Okay. She's very true about that. There are mm-hmm. people who told me, I wish I could write. I just met a guy somewhere the other night. We were at the children's, uh, John Hopkins children's thing. And the guy was from Tampa and he says, I want to read those books of yours I read about. He says, how much money do you... I said, don't think about money. If right. you want to write a book, write the book. Yeah. If you want to tell a story, and people hear the story, but don't talk about money. Well, that was one of the reasons that he wrote them as fiction and not nonfiction, because the fact that he, they are, much of it is true, but he wanted to be able to um, give it more power, give it more story than possibly the uh, nonfiction could or would. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it is some people were still living. The first living. book, a lot of guys are still alive. I, I, would, I would, in your case, make these fiction as well. People, yeah. what do they always say? The people represented in this book are... Are, are um, fictional characters. Fictional characters. Any relation That's to right. anyone living or dead especially, should not contact me. Especially in this first book, there are guys who are... Can't begin to tell you the stories that I learned from the mom. Wow. So what did you learn from writing? Because I'm guessing even though, you know, these stories pour out of you, I'm guessing that you learned some things along the way with each 
each book. What do you think well, you might I, I think writing is part of my life. I know when I was in business, uh, I was an IBM distributor. I have 35 employees. Mm -hmm. I used to write a lot of activity, okay? Uh, how I got salesmen motivated to work and how I got salesmen motivated to sell. And so, so I wrote a lot of this stuff, went to a lot of these seminars, wrote a lot of that, and I think that helped me in writing because okay. I put thoughts together in my mind because I'm not a grammatic specialist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not an English teacher, but it helped me put thoughts together. Like this book here, I had people say to me, this is the most fascinating story they write. And I said, it was something that I put together all the time going mm -hmm. on. So, so in it, your day job, so to speak, you had to learn how to communicate to other people. And yeah. then that, and to get across what you were wanting them to do, your employees to do. or I think or, that helped you as a salesman, too, yeah. to do mm -hmm. the same thing in writing. Because mm -hmm. you're still trying to do the same thing. Right. You're trying you're to get skill and motivate it that she'll really do what she wants to be. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing, I think, when you're writing. But I think the other thing, and Joe's done a lot of not-for-profit um, coaching, et cetera, since he's left the business world, and he is a good storyteller. So I think that that's why he does so well with these books is because he does, I mean, his nieces and all, they love his stories. They're mm -hmm. like, tell us a story, tell us a story. And he is a good storyteller, <laughs> which not everybody has that natural gift. Yeah, right, yeah. for just, you know, inventing a good story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I um, I I get that for sure. What mistakes would you say, or advice if someone is writing? But what mistakes they've or what are the like been there, done that, don't do that, or um, don't get hung up on this, or what advice could you maybe give? Well, you 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 go through all that really. Yeah. Uh, I think the one mistake that probably or the thing that I had problems with, and Writers Digest helped me with this, is that I get into a what they call writer's block. Mm -hmm. Didn't know such a thing existed, but it does. I would get stuck, as I would tell my wife, for about two months. I couldn't write. Mm -hmm. It drives you crazy. Just and can't get the word, can't get the, you, you it's can't, a flow. And you can't get that flow back in there. Mm -hmm. And what happens to you, I'm, I'm not sure what a certain, the short circuiting somewhere. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know what. <laughs> and the end result is you can't do anything for about two months. Then all of a sudden, you feel the floodgates open you again. You feel that one paragraph coming up, and then there's a page, two pages, about 30, 40 pages. Wow. That's the one thing probably could dishearten a lot of people about getting that so-called writer's block. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. I've read about it. Yeah. I still can't yeah, you hear it. about it. Yeah. You know, but and as a book coach, the, what we found that kind of circumvents that mm -hmm. is the fact to, to get away from your book totally and write about something. Another thing that comes to mind that I've read about um, through other professional authors, if you will, uh, and through writings of Writer's Digest and what have you, is don't try to write the end before you're anywhere near the ending. Oh, okay. Because you'll get all screwed up with people. And I thought that was something that was very important to me because I don't write the end anymore until I get there. Gotcha. You'll book? know when it's you know when it's, it's time, time to end, end the book the when book. it's time to end the book. Because a lot of people you from can't what force I read, it. don't know when they should end the book. Is it hundred pages, two hundred pages, three hundred pages, four hundred pages? When do you end the book? Oh, I see what you're saying. Because a yeah. lot of people try to write that ending before it is. And before you know it, you're changing the characters, what's happening to the story. So something that they have to keep in mind for whatever it's worth. Yeah. Mm. I just wanted to say something about the writer's block again. Yeah. Because what I found was I also teach writing classes. And if, if they're, they're having writer's blocks, what I do is I say to them to stop. Don't even try to write right now. Do something else that's creative. So whether that's gardening or sewing or drawing, um, even doing simple things like um, not off the topic writer's prompts. They could write something else, you know, write poetry. If you're writing fiction or nonfiction, go off and write poetry to do something else because the creative juices will open up the flow for the block. Well, I think that's probably um, good advice. I mean, for any kind of art, art method, whether you're doing music or making a craft or art, sometimes you look at it so long, painting or something, you, you look at it so long, you just can't, can't see it anymore, you know, and you Absolutely, gotta step yeah. like step away, you know, <laughs> or you're trying to figure out a problem, you know. All right, let's just go do something else for a while, and then you come back, and then you're like, oh, there it is, right there, yeah. you know. That old saying, you can't see the trees for the forest. Exactly, exactly. So um, before we wrap up here, any encouragement 
to the fence sitters that are just like, I don't know, I might have a book. I'm thinking about it. Um, well, for two things. I recently spoke to someone who said, I, I have a book and I, we got to talking. It was all on the phone. And someone, she had called Simon & Schuster. Somehow or another, she got into Simon & Schuster. And they said, the first thing you need to do is get an agent. And I totally disagree with that because of the fact agents, number one, don't take on first-time authors. And so if you're a first-time author, you, you're just you're wasting your money because agents cost money and and big money mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've had agents joe's had agents yeah. so we know about agents as well um the other part of that is um don't let your don't let your your negative friends tell you you don't have a story because they may not you know maybe you haven't opened up enough about it to them or maybe they're just naysayers mm-hmm. um i would say that and the other part is um to um to just look at all the steps. There's a lot of steps in processing a, a book. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's copyright and all. I go through all the steps with them. When I meet with you and then you say you wanna do a book, I, I give you a list. This is what you're responsible for, this is what I'm responsible for, this is what we need somebody else to do. So things like copyright sometimes gets forgotten by the first time author. Things like setting up your author page on Amazon. Because if I haven't heard this author before, when I say here, because I do a lot of audiobooks as well mm-hmm. and podcasts, and so, but I'll, when I'm scanning through, if I'm questioning whether or not I want to read that author, I will go to their author page and see what experiences they've listed there. Where did they grow up? What are they, you know, what's their life story? Many of them don't even have an author page. Uh-huh. The other thing is um, if you're selling online, that type of thing with, with Amazon or whatever, um, keywords keywords because the fact that you're never going to sell a book if you've got a book about flower gardening if you never put in flowers or gardening in right, the topic because the, it, it, it's, it's all algorithms and everything and yeah, it's never, never going to show up when it. people that's are right. searching mm-hmm. or or anything like that yeah that's good that's good practical advice mm-hmm. for any kind of thing that you're trying to trying to publish any last words mr joe on uh encouraging somebody to just who maybe is on the fence about writing or publishing? Well, I think one of the greatest satisfactions of all, other than making those couple of records when we were kids, yeah, that made a local community, and being in business, which was very successful, was the hundreds of letters that I get and emails. Love the story. Love the book. Oh. Wait, oh, like he gets still. He gets. I, I mean, he gets. When's the next book coming out? Yeah, <laughs> I, I that has to be so to fun. It. Yeah, it's a page turn. I stayed up all night reading the rest of it. That is probably the greatest satisfaction of all. More than the money, if you uh-huh. do go for money. Right. So I yeah, think I the satisfaction you get from writing, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I never dreamed that I would get that type of satisfaction. People tell me, that book moved me so bad, I actually cried when I went to sleep. Oh, you know, that, that happened, yeah. You know, so forth and so on. Uh, it's good stuff. Or reminded me of yeah. my childhood or my uh, friend or yeah. my, you know, something like that. Or the that. old man in their life, you know, yeah. because they... Many of us have a spirit or a, mm-hmm. a um, guide, or guide or you know, old yeah. person, mentor, mentor, yeah. guide, wise person who has um, kept us from going off the deep end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Good stuff. And isn't that what we tend to do in, in every book? Re- at least I do. You know, you've, you've, that's what makes it so great because you could be somebody from a totally different world. But there's enough commonality in our humanness yeah. to see yourself in whatever story Absolutely. that you're reading. And, um, you know, I happen to just love um, historical fiction is probably one of my... Oh, and that made me think of something. Historical fiction is probably one of my favorite genres. Um, and I just obviously have never been, you know, a slave in, in, in olden times. But... <laughs> but um, I can find connection and and kind of understand just in, you know, being another human being and what that might have been like and, you know, oh my, you know, how could people do that to other people and, you know, all these things I really get so caught up. I mean, I'm one of those ones that cries in the bed and my husband's like, I'm like, you don't understand, he died, you know, and he's like, you are crazy. I love a book, I know a book is good when I get to the, like, the last chapter and I'm like, I don't want it to end. Oh, I know, I know. I, I don't want few, it to end. I yes, I was flipping pages faster than I was I'm like that with, I'm like that with the Harry Potter series. That's one of the ones I was like, I don't want it to go away. 
Okay. I, I just want to mention, um, we got one more minute. I just wanted to say that one of the things that I think that people, authors, first time authors need to pay attention to is they need to listen to their gut. If they think they have a story, they have a story. But the other part is that don't trust your story to just anyone. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen people who just sent me their whole book without any type of an agreement or whatever. They sent me their whole book. Wow. If I wanted to, I could publish it. You know, if I were that kind of person, I'm not. Yeah. But, you know, be a little... Guard your hard guard, work. Guard your work. Yeah. And the other part is that is to trust your heart. If you don't like the person that you're talking to about your book, don't think that they're going to do a good job for you because they won't. You have mm -hmm. to... Like I have not taken on some clients because we don't mesh. And, it just and part of it's the right. topic. I had an author that I worked with. I liked, he was good. I liked him. I liked his topic. Uh, then he turned around and he was going to do a, a book that I found outside of my comfort zone. Ah. So I said no. Yeah, this he ended up having, a... having it published elsewhere. I told him why I didn't want to do it. And then, and we were both fine with that, but I'm, you know, there are so many people who say they can help you with this. Just go by your gut. And in, in, in my, I would suggest you pray about it. Yeah. Well, one more random question that I kind of thought of when, when somebody was talking before. Um, in doing things like that are about real life places, and you, and you spouted off those facts about the, the um, government building, mm -hmm. you know, how is that? Like, do you go out and do research on these facts? Oh, yeah. That, would be, oh, the, that yeah. would be the thing. Like, I've always thought about that. Like, you come up with a story, but then you sort of got to research so it's authentic. I, I and did a lot of homework on that because Philadelphia City Hall is known, which a lot of people aren't aware of. They've seen it in Rocky, you know, all yeah. that stuff. Uh, when he's going down the steps, you know, of William Penn up on top. Mm -hmm. But nobody knew that that building housed 450,000 employees. There's no, no city hall administration in this country like I that. I would have no it's idea huge. of that, yeah. And unless you saw, Helena saw, there are like 10 stories. Of the wow, yeah, because we always just see those stairs and, and the running back down, and yeah. that's all you see, and so <laughs> that's pretty much all you know unless you've been there. There's a lot to be said about that building, and it's... Uh, little cracks and niches here. Yeah, structure. So I wanted to use that. So how are terrorists going to get in here and blow that building up? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, to so make I it authentic. Four, I had to write that where people would question and say, they couldn't do that, but maybe they couldn't. I didn't know that about City Hall. Another Philadelphia one said, you know, maybe that's how we did it. That's uh, how they got in there. Okay. Ooh. You know, a lot of stuff like that. Wow, that's neat. Very fascinating. Very, very fascinating. How can um, our listeners um, find you if they have... A need for you or we, we kind of told you can Amazon. find Joe's books well, on Amazon, Amazon. Yeah. yeah you can find the books on Amazon he also has a page Joseph Changata an old man yeah an old man says the old man says, old man says. a web page or a Facebook page Facebook page Facebook page okay. um I have one that's um <laughs> you think I know the name of it but I don't storytelling something something <laughs> Tinkerbell. We'll, we'll put the link at the at yeah the, yeah and then um just uh, you can Facebook me uh, Helena Trangata um and my phone number is 727-457-9391 and I can certainly help him reach Joe Perfect. Well, thank you both for taking the time thank today you, to Sheila. share your expertise <laughs> and about your books, Joe. And um, I thank you listeners for listening again. You can follow, interact, and ask questions about this episode and others on our Facebook page, The Detour Podcast, and on Instagram at Sheila Shinsky. To hear more conversations like this one, you can listen to more episodes or listen to more episodes on Podbean and iTunes. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe so you can join us as we take the next detour and enjoy the wander. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful day.